0: Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Jenny Riano. Jenny is an artist that I encountered during the Southwest Indian market this year in Santa Fe, uh, back in August. I was instantly drawn to the quality of her work, the, the, the interactions between her and her mother. And this was, I think, the first time I've encountered an artist not knowing their background not really being drawn by the reputation before engaging with them. Generally, I sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, I I vet the artists and and do interactions before uh, I engage with them for the podcast. And this was a situation where the work was so impressive and the the respectability and the demeanor of, of her and her mother was so impressive that I I really wanted to have a conversation with them for this podcast and I will admit I was not disappointed with this. And then learning about the family legacy and everything about the work that they do. So I'm not going to get ahead of them uh, in this interview here um, because I definitely want you to hear her story from her herself. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Janie Rihanna. Jenny Riano, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really an honor to have you here.
1: It's wonderful to be here.
0: I'm really excited about this. Uh, Would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, where you're from, and what it is that you do.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Janie Riano, and I am from the Pueblo of Santo Domingo in New Mexico. And um, my background is a little interesting in the way of, I started jewelry making when my grandmother, Clara Lovato, introduced me to it. I think I was 12, somewhere between 11 and 12, uh, cutting um, he-she shells for the beads that we make. And she introduced me to it because it's just a simple cut straight. You just push the little shell through millions of cuts to make um, the beginnings of uh, the shell beads. And uh, I come from a family of jewelers. My mother has eight siblings and every single one of them is a jeweler. And um, we're all pretty well known in the world of mosaic and bead making. Um, and so I've been, um, surrounded by jewelers my entire life. Um, my parents, uh, my, I learned it between my grandmother and my mom. And then the rest of the family have their influence, um, in what I do. But my grandmother, the way she introduced me to it was, she basically said it was time to learn and that she knew I had dreams of going out out, meaning off the reservation, um, as far as education and working. And she always said it in the way of when you come home, you have something to make a career of basically a second career. And so at the time I never realized what a gift she gave me, um, of introducing me into basically the family business, um, my, her grandmother or my grand, my great grandmother, uh, Monica Silva was from Santa Clara and she brought in, um, pottery making. And sadly, <laughs> none of her, um, none of her children or most of her grandchildren, um, didn't take on the pottery aspect. What we did, um, Really get into was the jewelry making. And um, we've traced back five generations. Of course, that's only what she could remember. And there's so many unwritten history. I'm sure it's more than that because our form of jewelry making is, has been around thousands of years. So, did I answer your question? I can't. I, I, this I, is great. I, no. I, I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> You
0: you are. You're actually doing it the best best way. Um, It's great to hear um, the lineage and and where it comes from. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and actually, um, our ancestral Puebloans have been doing it for thousands of years and have been working with shells and stones for so long. And people always wonder, well, you're landlocked in New Mexico. How did you get shells? Well, there was always trade routes coming from the coast. so people from the coast would come all the way down here and that's how we would how my ancestors obtained shells. And um, one of my dreams is to do a tour with my mom to go up to Mesa Verde and Chaco Canyon to look at the jewelry that they've excavated. And my mom has a pattern that she loves to inlay. And um, it's of the ancestral Puebloans' design. And um, I don't know if you recall seeing it on our table when you visited us at Indemarket. But it's got a shell in the middle. Usually we put in a melon of sh- uh, excuse me, mother of uh, pearl in the center and surround it with turquoise or some other stone or shell to make that pattern very simple, but in its own way, it's also very elegant. And that has been coveted by so many other nations. They use that pattern in a lot of their ceremonies. The women like to wear the earrings. And some men, of course, they wear that pattern in the dances and the ceremonies. And for years, we have had people from Hopi that know we make that pattern. They always stop by our booth at Indian Market. And they'll purchase it for themselves, for their relatives, and for the next generation coming on. So, so it just keeps going, how that traditional pattern still keeps moving forward. And my mom and I always make sure, and we prepare every year, we make multiple sizes because, you know, people have different price points that they can acquire, So we do, you know, the higher price points to the lowest of price points that we have because we want our people to be able to purchase these things and so that they can keep using it. So with that, for years, I always called that the second Mesa design because that was the only village that came to my mind when I thought about Hopi because the Hopis love that design. And then um, right before... Uh, secretary Holland ran for office here in New Mexico, a friend of mine, I was helping out her relatives by taking their photographs for Indian market for their application. And she happened to mention, Oh, my friend is uh, running for Congress. Do you know her? And she's from Laguna. Turns out it was uh, Deb Holland. And then I just felt just such pride. In the fact that a Native woman, especially a Pueblo woman, was going to run for office. And so I picked up a pair of earrings and then I gave it to my friend. And I said, will you please pass this along with her with our blessings? I know that she's going to have a lot of obstacles in her way, but I hope she overcomes it. And then she gets to where she needs to be so she can help all Native people. Not just Pueblo, not just New Mexican, but all Native people. And so much time had gone by. I forgot all about those earrings. And all of a sudden, an email comes from that friend with a link and says, Check this out. Open the link, and it's a photo of Deb Holland wearing my earrings. And it was to her very first cabinet meeting. Wow. I looked at that, and... And it was then that I just had this moment of pride, not in myself, not in my jewelry, but in her. I could look at it and imagine our future women have so much in store for them. If one strong Pueblo woman can make it to her level, look out world. Here come us native women.
0: That is wonderful. That is beautifully said.
1: So yeah, so I, I, I was just like, so then I changed the name of that design. I started calling that the little deb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh let, let's talk about uh your influences. Who who are your who are your biggest influences?
1: My biggest influences is- it is, like I mentioned before, I come from a family of jewelers. Um, it's every single one of them. Every single one of them have shaped me to become the jeweler and the woman that I am. Um, my grandmother, while she was still here, huge, because she's the one who started me. And with my grandmother, when she said something, you did it. You didn't argue. Um, so, um when she introduced me, I knew I couldn't say no, even though internally, I may have been like, I'd rather go do something else than, than work. Right. But my grandmother was an incredibly hard worker. And, um, and then I have, um, my entire family. My, um, I was, my, my birth mother is Rose, which you met at our table at Indie Market. But, For eight years of my life, I um, was raised by her sister, Vicky Tortolita, and her husband, Lorenzo Tortolita. I lived with them um, for about eight, eight and a half years or so. So I was raised with them. And then, of course, I had a flurry of uh, uncles that babysat me while my mom worked. But that was uh, my uncle Joe, Joe Riano. And uh, my uncle Percy Riano, Evelino Riano, Frank Riano. And um, the uncle that I didn't really get to know because he passed away so early in my life um, was Celestino Riano, but the family called him Sal. And um, the huge influence in my life is my auntie, Angie um, Owen. And she's the one that's known for bringing back mosaic um, inlay into our tribe. Um, and she's the one that helped guide me and perfected the way that I would do my lapidary work because my grandma started it off, but it was my auntie that really had a huge influence in in the style and the way I cut, meaning she makes me more efficient. She, um, is very critical, like the rest of my family, because the reason why they're so critical is they see that is having that Rihanna quality. Because um, if there's even a flaw, if there's even some, something that you would think, yeah, it doesn't matter. In, in my family, it matters. Mm, <laughs> You're, mm. You know, you see a little scratch on a pendant, an earring, uh, whatever we're making, right? They will tell you, get in front of that machine again and get this scratch out. Mm. You know, it could take you another 30 minutes, hour to, to get it to that Riano level of quality. But it's something that I now take pride in. I make sure that, that it lives up to the name because it's huge to have that last name Riano. I mean, when I go sell at a show, when I go sell most of the year, I go sell at the Palace of Governors in Santa Fe and people ask, or well, they'll look at my jewelry and they look at me and they ask my name and I tell them my name. And then the first thing they say is, oh, are you one of those Rianos?" And then I, I have to say, well, there's plenty of us. Which which one are you, you know, talking about? And it usually leads directly back to one of my aunts or uncles. And um, I remember when I first decided to do jewelry full time, um, after I moved back home in 2016, I had doubts. I had serious doubts of whether... I could live up to the name Rihanna and to take on that mantle of being, you know, joining the family business, so to speak, because so many of my relatives are so well known and, you know, I I didn't want to disappoint. Um, And happy to say in my own little way, I'm, I'm, I'm making my way into the jewelry world. And, um, Part of it was um, I wanted to stand out on my own. I wanted to do something different that was me, but still tied to my family. So for years, I've always had this idea running into my head. I've lived in um, Oregon, which is a very, very green, recycle, strong state. And I thought, I can apply that to my jewelry. And so for years, I would tell my mom, We're saving all the pieces that are left over from either bead making or mosaic inlay. And so I started acquiring buckets. And at one point, my mom was upset because it was just taking up space in the garage or wherever she had put it. And she says, Jane, are you ever going to do anything with this? I said, yes, mom, I am. Promise me. I have an idea in my head and I know I can do it. I just need the time. So after I moved home in 2016, I took all of that, threw it in a tumbler, and it ran for weeks and weeks. Finally got to the point where it looked, okay, this is kind of the look I'm looking for. Then I started drilling all of them. And then I created what I call wirework jewelry. So basically, I strung up all of those leftover material like it was a traditional necklace, but I did it on silver wire. Then I made it into necklaces and bracelets and even earrings. And, um, and then a the very first necklace I made, I wanted to incorporate mosaic inlay and I want to have my mom to have a hand in it. I didn't want it to be just me because I'm so used to work with my mom all these years. So I had her mosaic, these tiny little pendants off of it. And then I added it on there and then I matched a pair of earrings. Once I finished it, I put it on, put on the earrings. I was in the bathroom and I looked at myself and I'm like, wow, these came out. These came out pretty cool. And then I went to my mom who was in the other room and I said, hey, mom, check this out. She looks up at me. She goes, oh, that's nice. Who Where'd you buy that from? <laughs> And, and I'm like, mom, I said, these are all of the stuff we've been saving. I said, this is because I was hiding it from her. I wasn't letting her look at what I was doing. She she could just like see my stuff hanging around, right? Every time she came around into my side of the studio or whatever, I would cover it up or I put it away. And then when I showed her the finished piece, she looked at me. She goes, is this what all those buckets were? I'm like, Yes, mom, these are all the buckets. This is the idea that's been inside my head. She takes one look at me. She goes, good, And I get to work. Meaning, work on the rest of the buckets, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <don't> produce more. <laughs> so that year at uh, Winter Market, I had about maybe 12 to 15 necklaces, maybe about 15 bracelets, because it takes a lot of time to do all this stuff. And... It was great. I sold all but, um, I think, two bracelets. All the earrings and necklaces were gone. And I haven't had time to make much more since. But every once in a while, I make a couple. But that was my way of, this is Janie. But this is Janie with the knowledge of, you know, my mom and the rest of my family. So my family Hmm. really... Is a huge influence on me. I wouldn't be the jeweler I am. And as far as the woman I am, my family helped put me to school. You know, um, they, uh, when I decided I want to go back to school, my aunt said, okay, I'll pay for your car so you can go to school. My uncle said, come live with me. It's at least, you know, 30 minutes closer to your school if you come stay with me. But, you know, I got a big plus out of it by not only living with him, but I got to see um, his style of jewelry making, my aunt's style of inlay. And um, I got to uh, help raise his four kids. Um, So even though they're my cousins, I feel more like their aunt than cousins because I helped to raise them. (laughs) But, you know, my family has been... Huge in my entire life, I wouldn't have been able to finish school um, get my degree, or even um, at the point where I ended up working for a semiconductor company and uh, which took me um, to places I never dreamt I would have been um, with that company. I started here in New Mexico, I worked in Arizona california colorado oregon massachusetts and ireland oh wow so um that's my non-jewelry side of it and i worked with that company for over 24 years Mm. yeah so um but you know it was always my family encouraging me
0: yeah that in itself it's its own journey
1: yeah yeah i was supposed to be a permanent employee at our rio rancho site and ended up taking me all over the world Um, and uh, it was actually my dad that um, you know from Santo Domingo uh, we're very conservative and um, my generation and before the women weren't really encouraged to go out into the world or go very far I should say Um, and my dad was different he definitely set me up to be very independent. And when I say my dad, I'm talking about Lorenzo Tortellita. Um, my biological father died when I was extremely young. So he had some influence in my life, but it was when I say my dad, I'm talking about Lorenzo Tortolita. Um He's the one that encouraged me to go back to school and eventually come home and, and help my people. Once I come home, I think that's a common theme for native Americans is, is to go out, get your education, get your experience, but come home to help your people.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a uh, system Oh yeah. I'm a Dakota from system Wapiton. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was the, the thing we all said in college, you know, um, get through school and we'll go home and we'll help our people. You know, that was the theme.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about your career. Um, you know, how it, how has that developed uh, both in college and post-college?
1: Um, I, like I said, I'm not very traditional. I, I definitely tr- marched to a different drum. I don't even know if it is a drum at this point. Um, after high, well, in high school, I didn't take my education seriously. I definitely rebelled if my parents said study, I went and played instead. If they had said played, I would have studied probably. But um, after high school, I got a one-year um, one scholarship at a community college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, so a friend of mine said, just take your generals. Figure out what you want. Do your generals with your scholarship. So that's what I did. I went to Santa Fe Community College for a year and I still didn't know what I wanted. But at that point, I needed to be an adult and earn my own money. So I got a job, did my job for a couple years. And then there was one, I went into a retail uh, establishment in Santa Fe until one lady at, that I worked with there. We were folding, we were in the work in the children's department. She looked at me, she goes, Shani, I know you're going on vacation next week. When you come back, I want you to do me a favor. And I said, well, sure, what's that? I'm expecting her to tell me to do something with her work-wise, right? She looks at me, she goes, I want you to quit. I'm like, what? Quit? She goes, you're too good for this place. Go back to school. Don't waste that cabeza. She says she was Spanish, you know. She says, don't waste your brain, basically, is what she's telling me. And I started laughing. And I said, I'll think about it, okay?" And so I did. I seriously thought about it. I went back to tech school after that. I quit shortly thereafter to go back to tech school full time. Got my associates in electrical engineering of all things. And it got me to a job at uh, digital, which was uh, they did. I did quality control on circuit boards that led to a job with the semiconductor company. And um, within that company, I have five careers. I joined in as what they call an operator, basically working on the wafers, creating the chips that we use in computers. After that, I became a trainer. So basically I was a teacher. So I would go out and learn all the skills that the new technicians joining or transferring had to know with a particular tool set. So I did that. And at that time, I was always a data nerd. I was always curious. So I started helping engineers do test runs and test fires to figure out what happens if this works or doesn't work. What happened? So it's that like detective in me. So I started uh, hanging out more with engineers, figuring out stuff, learning things. And so I started to learn more what they call the process of the wafer and the effects of chemicals or gases or whatever is being done to them. And that then led me to being offered to apply for a job in the um, construction side of the company. And, um, Because of my strong process knowledge. And then I was like, but I know nothing about construction. I know nothing about codes and all of this stuff. So I went and applied for it anyway. Miraculously, I got it. I got trained. And I was supposed to be based in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Uh, That led me to going to all those other states that (laughs) that I mentioned. Wherever we had a new factory being built, I was sent there. And, um, then, um, after I finished my stint in Ireland, moving back to Colorado, I just kind of got tired of the constant moving. Um, I never could plan anything. I never could do anything. So I was getting tired and, and one of my managers said, take a break, then come back to us. He says, go out, do something fun. He said, so I did. I, I, applied for a job in Oregon and went into facilities where I became a database administrator. And um, so that's what I did for a good 18 years of my career was be in facilities doing database um, administration. And then when I came back home in 2016, uh, I decided to give jewelry making uh, a run. And so I did that took like a year and a half off just to visit with family, with friends, get reacquainted with um, New Mexico and reservation living because it was a cultural shock <laughs> coming from, you know, the city back to the reservation. Mm-hmm. So I um, I was starting to get bored and I was telling my mom, I think I want to go back to work, you know, meaning not jewelry. And she says, it's up to you. And so a couple of ladies that worked at um, Southwest Association for Indian Arts, it's called Swaya. They're the producers of the Indian market. They tracked me down and they said, we need help. Will you come apply for a job at the office? And it sounded fun. I went and did it. I got hired. But what was great about the director at the time, um, the director was Ira Wilson. I mentioned to him, Ira, I still like to be an artist. So I will work for you if you will let me have the weekend of Herd Market, which is in Phoenix in March. If you'll let me have Indian Market and Winter Market off to not work for you as an employee, but to be an artist. And this is how great the man was. He looked at me, he goes, Janie, I need you the rest of the year more than I need you those three weekends. He goes, you can still be an artist. Hmm. And then I said, cool. I said, okay, I'll come work for you. So (laughs) I worked for Swaya for, uh, I don't even know how long I worked for them. Almost three years, I think. And um, so um, I quit um, after the three years. So I must have been. 2021 I think I quit and then I went back to jewelry making full-time and I've been doing that ever since but I have all all these other opportunities where jobs come up to do something outside of jewelry but my mind keeps going back to yeah but I like being my own boss I like being able to create when I want to when the inspiration strikes instead of storing that in my head and hopefully it'll come back when I'm back to working again But, yeah, so my life has definitely been influenced by jewelry because it was surrounding me all my life. And then, you know, the big part of my jewelry life is also Swaya. You know, they were my first employer as a teenager. Then throughout Mm. my life, I was a volunteer, became an artist, became an employee again, and hopefully someday I'll be back to volunteering again.
0: Right on, right on
1: yeah
0: it's it's really great to to be able to have those options and that flexibility to be able to to move around as you need to
1: yes yes
0: absolutely it is so i know we've we've been touching on this but yeah how how have opportunities been presenting themselves to you as you've moved into this art space now
1: i owe a lot of it in the beginning to um the uh, marketing director at Swaya, the, when, when I first got serious again about jewelry in um, 2016, um, her name's Amanda Crocker, and she was the uh, marketing director, and she just fell in love with the work, and um, it all started when we stopped in to donate a necklace for uh, Swaya. And she fell in love with it. So she featured us in social media. That led to um, editors contacting us for magazines and um, just being open, I think. Being brave enough to to say yes when people approach you for opportunities. For example, when you first came to me, I'm like, oh my God, could I do that? You know, I had that (laughs) doubt in me. But it was a friend of mine that, that said, Janie, do it. You never know. Be brave. Do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. And and he, he knows how to uh, get me to do stuff because he would say, what would you tell your kids if they came to you and they had this opportunity? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, man. he had to play that mom card. <laughs> 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 so, so I was like, okay, you never know. You, I think you have to have – that positive energy. You have to be willing to welcome whatever comes your way. Whether it leads to something positive or not so positive. Even that has a teaching in itself. Because, you know, the world has its ups and downs and you just got to ride with it. You, you just got to be, be open to maybe, you know, you you went and did something but it didn't have the outcome you wanted. But then maybe it introduced you to someone else. Maybe it opened the way to, you know, another path for you that, that you weren't aware of. Yeah, it, it's just, you got to have that positive energy. Um, I think energy attracts energy.
0: I'd like to think so. Absolutely. Um, so, so many of the guests, if not all the guests on this, on this podcast, and we're we're about 150 guests in now, you know, they've all been so welcoming and so supportive, not, not just with this interaction, like what we're Mm -hmm. having, but just in the community in general, you know, I, I -hmm. think in the art world, especially in our community, uh, you know, those who are maybe a little selfish or a little abrasive, they, they seem to either course correct, or Mm -hmm. they sort of go their own way. You know, mm-hmm. and I f- I find quite a bit in my interactions with people and conversations that there there is a lot of support and a lot of um, a lot of goodwill that's that's between a lot of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the great thing about the artist community
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that artists are willing to help other artists, whether it's a brand new one or one that's been around forever. Uh, Because we all, we all need to learn something. We all need to grow. It, it plays in our art with our growth, like um, what what my mom and I do now, maybe um, in in homage to the ancestral Puebloans but it's our way of doing it. It's, it's our, our way of paying back that respect for what they started us down on. And, you know, you pass that along down, down the way um, to other artists, like other artists will ask, um, how did you do this? How did you do that? And, you know, If I know the answer, I'll let them know. If I don't, I'll be very honest and say, I don't know. It just happened. You know, like sometimes mistakes happen and it works out really well. Like last year, uh, my mother and I were making earrings and we usually try to do something different with the seasons. So every October we have the balloon fiesta. So we make balloon, hot air balloons, earrings every year. And last year I broke Uh, one of the bigger pieces the basket part broke off and then the second earring the second earring it broke off too I'm like oh my god and my mom's like maybe it doesn't want to be a balloon turn it into an oval earring nope nope it's going to be a balloon it started its life as a balloon it's going to end up as a balloon so I told her I said I want you to drill holes here and here and here and here for me she looked at me. I said, just do it. Cause sometimes my mom will, will just question. She thinks I'm insane with some of these ideas. <laughs> and so I did it. And then I sat down and then she's like hovering over me. I said, leave me alone. You make me nervous, you know, because it's, it's kind of like that whole, the master is looking over the apprentice and the apprentice yes. just can't perform. That's how I felt <laughs> yes. that day. Okay. So, so I shooed her away and she just, you know goes off to her side of the the studio and and i'm over there i'm working and working and then i finished it and i said okay it's ready and she comes over i said well it's not this really ready i say it needs the air wire and i held it up for her and what i did was i attached the basket below with silver wire so now the the basket is like hanging below like you would on a traditional hot air balloon Mm -hmm. she
0: looks
1: at me she goes You're lucky it worked out. That's all she said. (laughs) But you got to take that inspiration and those wild ideas and and turn them into something special.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. So what would you want to say to the 18 to 22 year old that's listening to this conversation?
1: Be willing to work hard. Be willing to get dirty. Success doesn't come overnight. Um, unfortunately, in this world of instant gratification, um, a lot of the younger generation doesn't realize realize how hard it is to create. Um, and, you know, with my type of jewelry, it's a very dirty process. And it can be a very... Um, harmful process if you don't protect yourself. Um, you have to wear the masks. Sometimes you have to wear a glove. Um, you have to make sure you have the exhaust. You know, and 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 be open to the mentorship that you're going to get along the way. Sometimes it may, be, may seem like, oh my god, again, you told me this 20 times already. But Maybe the twenty first is the final time, and then you you've now you know become your own, become the master of your own creativity. Because it's always a learning process. Always be be open, um, and no matter who comes your way, um, treat them with kindness, treat them with respect, and don't do it for the fame, or the money. Do it because it's a passion of yours. Do it because your muse has to speak and you're speaking for your muse. Uh, Because if all you focus on is the fame and the money, your muse will dry up.
0: Hmm.
1: Because that's what should be appreciated.
0: I don't think I've, I've heard it said better than that that's fantastic that's fantastic one thing i've i've noticed from some artists is you know uh i think a lot of folks have their moment in the sun right they're sort of like Mm -hmm. they have that season that they're just really they they get a lot of notification um prior and they get caught up in chasing that then afterwards you know Mm -hmm. maybe and maybe they lose sight of of what's important to them and they keep chasing that notoriety, you know, and it's kind of a sad thing, you know, that, um, someone who's, they, well, of course they appreciate that, that experience. They, they fail to see maybe what the lesson was in that, you know, and they, they want to chase that rush with that, what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why that popped in my head, but there's something you had just mentioned, you know, that really connected with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really think that if you're doing it, doing your art for the right reasons, for the love of it, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it definitely will come easier. You won't struggle so much. Um, My grandma always told me when she first started me off, always work when you're happy, when you have a happy heart.
0: Mm.
1: Because you're giving life to your children. That's how she viewed our jewelry. You're giving birth to um, you're giving birth to them. So you're giving them life because as you're working, you're breathing in that life into your pieces. And what you want to do is think positive things so that the person that buys it from you, will then take on those blessings will take on that positivity and if you're ever at a point where you're frustrated or you're tired or you're in a bad mood don't ever don't ever work don't ever sit in front of your machine even if it's to do something simple don't don't touch it she says Mm. you always want to be in a good in her way she only spoke Keras mostly so like i'm I'm saying translating it to english as best i could but (laughs) yeah um, but she will always say be in a good headspace be in a good headspace and and you won't have any problems um selling your stuff
0: yeah that's great so so what do you have going on right now what's coming up for you
1: what I've got going on is um, I'm working on my application art for Indian Market. So I try to um, have at least one or two new pieces on my application. Um, so I do Indian Market um, and I also do another show called Ida George in Indianapolis. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And so. I I work on the art that I want to put on my application and then of course I work I sell year-round at the um, Palace of Governors so I'm working on my inventory for my busy season which will be um, balloon fiesta so um, I don't know if you can hear in the background but the saw is going my mom's in the studio (laughs) Okay. She's, uh, she's cutting out, uh, our blanks right now.
0: Right on. So I was telling her, I
1: said, try to be quiet, but she probably gave up on me.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's not even coming through. So you're, you're good, just fine. Good.
1: Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're building up inventory for, for, um, uh, balloon fiesta. And then it's for us since, um, there's so much going on in personal life. We try to work as much as we could to keep that inventory going. And then um, the last three days I've been working on my website, loading up jewelry and Hmm. um, anybody that says it's easy to maintain a website is lying.
0: (laughs) Oh yes. Oh yes.
1: So I've been taking pictures and um, just, uh, just getting that taken care of in between. Um, other things that are going on
0: well that that walks us right into this other uh, question here is yeah where where can the listener um find your work
1: i have a website it is kiwa parrot jewelry.com and um just loaded up some new earrings um we don't have any um necklaces on there yet um but it it takes a longer to to make necklaces. So I don't know if I'll have any other than chokers here, but yeah.
0: Well, Jenny, thank you so much for this. This was an absolute pleasure and an honor having you on this program.
1: Oh, it's great. Thank you so much for including me. I really appreciate it.
0: And that does it for this episode of Five Playing Questions I want to thank Jenny again for her time and sharing her story with us. It was great to meet her and her mother down at uh, Indian Market this year it was such an amazing experience meeting all the amazing artists and attending all the sessions down there. It is definitely the hub of activities uh, for the year and to come across her work and instantly being drawn to the Quality and the work that she put into it, it, was, it was very clear uh, that her work is is fantastic. And so, yeah, you know, um, I look forward to works that she and her mother and her family will be creating in the future. And I'm just, uh, yeah, you know, it was great. So, Janie, thank you for sharing your story with us. And uh, if you get a chance, listener, um, check out her website and support her and many of the other artists that are at Indian Market there. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on the Facebook page, Instagram page, uh, for the 5 Plane Questions podcast, or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Well, That does it for this week. Thank you for joining us again, and we will see you next time. You take care. This has been